Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... If we tie everything onto our outcome goal, a lot of the time it won't go to plan. So, you know, we can't tie what success or winning feels to us with the outcome goal. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. This is Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. As we enter the final third of 2022, we're going to do everything we can to keep you on track, keep you fired up. We want you to have a good end to the year. That's really important, actually, to us on the show. Pete, the producer, the non-running guy of the show, we, we want people to have a good end to the year, have a good relationship with their running. I can't believe it's September already. Can't believe it. You may have gathered. I'm not over it. Can't believe it. Can't get my head around it. It's bonkers. Yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy. I can't believe you split up the year into trimesters. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> we're into the final... Trimester, yeah. <laughs> the we <laughs> final one. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. The final third. <laughs> Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I just bowled that out yeah. there. Well, we've just had a bank holiday weekend, of course, and I bloody hate them. I can't stand them because we're sat here on the Tuesday after the Monday, the bank holiday Monday, and what it does is I don't work for a bank, so it shouldn't affect me, right? Yeah, but you have a Monday in your life. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're part of the, the Monday yeah, club. Yeah, I, I, suppose I, I suppose I am, but I work for myself, so it's like everyone stops working, but I'm like, no, I just want to crack on with stuff, and then as a result, it makes me overtly relaxed. So what I've managed to do is I forgot that it was Tuesday today, and I wasn't looking at my phone all weekend because I'm going oh it's a bank holiday weekend everything's fine everything's fine I forgot to put the bins out black bins have gone without me even putting it out so now I've got to go to the tip at some point I've got to put a bunch of dirty bags in my car go to the tip at some point because a black bin is very full and also I forgot that I've got um, a, a lunch with uh, with a friend of mine Jeff and Jeff sent me a text this morning and said mate you've not forgotten the lunch have you and I went no of course not no and now not only did I forget it I lied to him because I did forget it and now oh. I'm a liar who's got to go to the tip with a bunch of black bags in his in his in his car and I've got a luncheon at one o'clock that I completely forgot about it's awful see this is this is not a good start to the final trimester of the year for you no. you, you need to stick around for this episode because I, I'm not only am I going to try and motivate our beautiful listeners but also yourself I'm going to try and motivate your pants off Pete because clearly you need it you're not in a good place mate and you know it's difficult actually to just to switch off so I'm quite impressed that you were able to switch off people that perhaps work for themselves listening to the show will know that actually it is quite difficult if you're running your own business just to like have that space in your mind but it's important but I am impressed that you were able to switch off because that's not easy that's not easy and you look refreshed you look good thanks thanks man that's very kind i suppose the thing about cutting it up into (laughs) trimesters is the end of your last trimester wasn't so great but now you're on to a new trimester right oh so what happened at the weekend oh you bring that i kind of saw something about it on the group chat but i don't I, i thought we'd chat about it yeah, we have, I have a group chat for my runners, the performance community, and uh, we share lots of thoughts and messages in there and tips and tricks and motivation and stuff like that. And I was really honest at the weekend, and I said, guys, I've had a bit of a stinker here. So I did the uh, Dorney Lake Half Marathon. I did see uh, quite a few people there that, that said hello, that listened to the show, or they follow me on social media. So it was great. It was a really good atmosphere and a beautiful day. It was sunny. It was just a really well-organised event running around the, uh, the, the lake there that I think, well, they certainly use it in the uh, Olympics 2012 when they were they were hosted over here so you know um, amazing place to run around but it was not a good race for me I, I always talk about look don't it's not necessarily a bad race or a bad run you try and reframe it look at it objectively what did you learn from it and and that all all those things remain true 
but it was I was disappointed. And it was really weird as well because stood in this starting line, so at the pen, before we even start, I'd done a little warm-up and then I'd, I'd had enough time between finishing the warm-up and then starting the race. And I was just sort of stood there. I looked at my heart rate and I was at over 110 beats per minute, which is high for me. I mean, that's high. And I've just stood there. And then I got to mile... And by mile two... I was at threshold. Blimey. By mile or two. So for those people listening to the show that know all about threshold and maybe run with a bit of heart rate, uh, looking at heart rate, that was just insane. And it felt like that as well. It just felt way harder than I expected. And I always talk about managing expectations with races and any goal in life, for that matter. And I felt that I did that quite well on Sunday. But actually, in the race, I thought, hang on a second, Jake. You, you, have you managed your expectations well here? This was just bizarre. And the problem with those kind of situations, it, it runs the risk of damaging your confidence, you know, knocking your confidence, which is what happened for me, to me. Because I actually thought I was in pretty good shape. I thought training was going well. I'm ticking off the sessions. I'm injury-free. I, felt, I feel generally pretty good. And then Sunday, I thought, wow, this doesn't seem to correlate. This is just weird. So I had to do a bit of kind of reflect, uh, self-reflecting and a bit of reframing. And I'm not convinced that Sunday was a reflection of my fitness. And I think that's really important to, to note, actually. And for people listening that may have a bad, quote-unquote, race or training session, and all of a sudden you feel that that is you, that you are that bad run. You know, you're not. You just had this experience of a, of a relatively bad uh, race or training session. And it might be reflective of where you are training wise yes it might but it also might not and i think it's important to kind of have that moment of reflection so that's what i've been doing i'm i'm i'm, I'm fired up now I'm, I'm i'm sort of over it to a degree thanks for bringing it up again pete i'm sort of over it to a degree <laughs> and i'm going to join the guys at the club uh, tonight martina my girlfriend it's her first time joining the club this evening so i'm excited for that and, and i'm super fired up for it but yeah just a little bit flat a little bit flat. You know. I tell you what, today's guest, I think, bearing in mind what you've just said there, is particularly relevant today, and to you as well. That is a fantastic point, Pete. Leah Barrow, who is a sports psychologist. This is a call that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. A, a brilliant chat, all about the importance of the mind when it comes to training and racing. You're going to love this. Make sure you stick around. Coming up next. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. So if you are working towards an autumn marathon right now, look, I know you're super excited about training for a marathon. You're probably thinking of all the hard work that you need to put in, the physical work. But we also know, especially at this kind of midway point to autumn marathons, we know just how big a role psychology plays. Not only in training, but there's a racing as well. I know that as a runner myself. You just have to be in the right headspace. Not always so easy. Not always so easy. Somebody that knows a hell of a lot about sports psychology. Today's guest, Leah Barrow. Leah, welcome to the show. Good to be chatting to you today. Are you all right? Are you well? I'm good, thanks, good. Jake. Thanks for having me on. We talk about all kinds of stuff on the show. We, we were having a quick chat before we recorded this call, weren't we? And, you know, doing this, this show every week. And we love talking about all things running. But the psychology side of things, personally absolutely fascinates me I, I just love it and I think and you will know more than me on this but I think more and more 
uh, athletes, runners, people are becoming more aware of the importance. I, I sense that it used to be kind of, oh, it's just elite athletes, professional athletes that need to worry about the sports psychology side of things. Actually, no, that's not the case. We all need to be aware of it. So it's really good to have you on the show. Just tell me, where are you at the moment in your whole sports psychology journey? Because you're on the route to being fully fledged Jedi Master Chartered, aren't you? You're almost there. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> um, so I completed my Master's in Sport and Exercise Psychology. And following that, if you kind of want to become a chartered sports psychologist, you, you go into um, kind of an accreditation route where you're supervised by a chartered sports psychologist in the work you do and kind of rated on your competencies every year until you feel, well, the reviewers feel that you're in a position to become fully chartered. So still practicing, but still kind of learning as well. We're all learning, aren't we? I think it's like an ongoing process, this thing that they call life. It must be such a long journey for you. I know my girlfriend's a vet, actually. In fact, she's in the next room. She's working at the moment. She's at right at the end of her journey, similar to yourself, and she's got her head in books, and she's you know having to prove herself so she gets kind of the full accreditation, as it were, to be a, a, a specialising in anaesthesia. It's like, it's full on. It must be difficult for you to spin the place because you're, I mean, you're an athlete as well yourself, which I think is really interesting when you're helping other athletes. What's your sort of background and bag when it comes to uh, training and racing so i'm an 800 meter runner um i started actually down at the sprinting event so i actually started my athletics career at the 100 meters and slowly found myself um up at the 800 meters so um yeah i find it really really interesting working with long distance runners because i can kind of maybe disassociate a little bit from from that element of things um but yeah, I, I'm still um, kind of training at the moment and juggling my sports psychology alongside it. I need to have a chat with you after the show, actually, because you are clearly a very talented track runner, very experienced. I've just started to get involved a bit more in the track. I tend to do the endurance stuff myself, like the long stuff. I really love running on the local Winchester track here, which is where I'm based. And I signed up for the year, bought an annual pass yesterday. And I spent the best part of 20 minutes after the session just walking around the track, looking at all the various markings, trying to work out where, where's the st- where does the 800 start? Where's the staggered start? What's the 800-metre curved start? I don't get that at all. We need to clearly have a chat. <laughs> I love what you said about disassociating yourself because sometimes that's not always so easy, is it, for, you know, sort of experts and people in various fields to take a step back and put the client's interest first and kind of view it through their eyes. It must be really difficult. You love the endurance stuff. What are some of the things that that are quite commonplace at the moment that you find that you're helping your athletes with, the people you work with? Talking, talking marathons now specifically, this kind of midway point, are there some really obvious kind of things that come to mind where you think, you know, that's a common challenge for people right now? Yeah, I think um, a lot of clients recently have mentioned this bit of a dip. Um, so it's really exciting when you kind of start your, whether that's 12 to 16 week marathon build up and it gets exciting towards, you know, in the last month towards race day. But there's this kind of little bit of a dip where it just feels hard on the body and the mind. And it's how do we stay consistent and keep turning up in that period? Um so it's it's really simple things like staying motivated. What what kind of ways can we we keep turning up for ourselves to um, to achieve our goals? Really, it's interesting what you mentioned there about that dip because I can personally relate to that. I guess everybody listening to this now can in different ways. You know, I mentioned your journey. I mentioned my girlfriend Martina's journey with the veterinary stuff, and this is very relevant. I think we often have chats. So she's studying for eight weeks at the moment. It's full on intensive. Like she's just you know seven days a week, ten twelve hours a day. You know, for the big exams at the end of the year. It's almost harder now 
she's experiencing the dip now. And we spoke about this. And I think it's because she's she's almost there, but she's not quite there. So she can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's there's, there's the accreditation, whether that's sports psychology, veterinary anesthesia, whether it's the starting line and marathon. So we're almost there. I've got 10 weeks under my belt, but I've still got another six weeks to go. And it's like, it's in touching distance, but it's not. So it's, it, I think it's quite easy and common, isn't it, to have that sort of drop off. What do you say to some of your athletes, like how they can kind of combat that? I mean, I guess going back to their reasons why they're doing it, to kind of reinvigorate themselves, re-motivate themselves. What, what sort of thoughts have you got on how to, to, to combat that? Well, I was actually listening to um, one of your recent podcasts with Josie Perry, um, and she mentioned the finding your why, and I'm really, really big on that too. Um, I could very much um, relate and align to that way of thinking, and I think that knowing and being really confident in your why is something you can always fall back on. Um, it's a foundation that doesn't change. Um, There's so many things within a marathon build-up, within any sort of build towards a goal that we can't control. So it's important to focus on what we can control. And if we have worked out our why, whether that's for charitable reasons, whether it's um, for a performance goal, it could be anything. When we know that really and truly, it, it helps on those days that, it's raining and you don't want to get out and do that run in the morning. It's difficult, isn't it? I think that whole why thing. And I think long and hard about this and I have done for many years, really. We, we talk about this and I'm a big believer in it too. It was great having Josie Perry um, on, on the show. And uh, in fact, I'm, I'm reading her book at the moment, um, which is uh, Performing Under Pressure, which I'm really liking. Some great stuff in there. And she's clearly big on the why, as you mentioned. Sometimes I think, I'm interested to get your your thoughts on this. Sometimes I think people can feel this pressure to, to, to create this huge why that is all singing, all dancing. It's so magical. It's going to make the, the news headlines. You know, it's, this is my why. And I don't necessarily think it always needs to be that grand. It's personal. It's something that drives you. It's something that's inside you. Have you got any thoughts on how people can kind of come up with their why or find their why? I mean, where, where does somebody start? Because sometimes it's not really linked to the actual sport, is it? That's a bit deep, but it's not necessarily, I want the medal in the T-shirt and across the finishing line, I want to break this PB. It's more about what that PB means to them and that completion, let's say. What are your thoughts on that? How do people find their why? Where do they start? It's deep, isn't it? That? Yeah, it's very deep, but I love the deep questions, Jake, so keep them rolling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's extremely individual, as you said, and it's something that um, needs to be kind of thought about before you start your um, kind of process towards your outcome goal or performance goal, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's knowing yourself, I think, knowing what your core values, beliefs are, what do you align to, what does success mean to you, um, is success tied to a performance goal an outcome goal or is it tied to just the fact that you love running and to be able to run every day is success to you um so it's about sitting down and reflecting on who you are as a person I think and what means the most to you um you mentioned in one of your voice notes earlier about sitting down having your morning coffee and I I love that because it's exactly what I do in the morning. I always need to get up 30, 30 minutes earlier if needs be to get that morning coffee in, to just sit and have a think about what's going to be meaningful to me today, what's important to me today, what do I want to achieve and how, and 
just really knowing yourself in that way. Um, and it can keep you on that kind of straight and narrow when things get get difficult. I love that. And I think it's important. And, and I sort of I'm talking here from a runner myself and, and as a coach with people that have helped over the years. I think it's important to, to have that level of. I guess, focus that almost habitual nature kind of with, with, as most people do with their day, you know, people will have a similar routine or, or something like that with the coffee and they have this process, you know, routine is waking up, making your bed at the same time every day, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think it's worth applying some of that ethos, if you like, and habit forming with your running goals because otherwise I find it can become very much lastminute.com and you're throwing your shoes on you're out the door and you're not really spending time thinking about your why maybe you're not super up for running maybe it's really hot maybe you know the session's really tough maybe it's bad weather whatever you've had a bad day tough meetings can't be bothered all that you're in this dip well what's going to get you out the door you've got to spend time I think thinking about it a little bit and also getting your head into the session you know i'm big leer on that separation from from whatever you've just been doing to then going into a training session you might relate to this with the 800 meters you know you need to be switched on and fired up you with that sort of distance and that sort of training you haven't got time to get into it it's just go so i think having that time to make that transition in the mind i think can really help your performance i think it can anyway does that make some sense do you agree with that is that does that sound right oh, yeah in your mind? absolutely i think it's important not to tie our whole identity to being a runner as well so it's you know there's a time for my sport within the day there's a time for my training and other than that who am I and you know I need to separate those things um because it's never good when we tie everything into you know one identity I think I think it's good to have um something you know if one thing isn't going well that day what else can I focus on and regain that kind of energy to go back to the other thing and and like you said it's it's difficult to you know every day be so on it our, you know as well as our bodies our minds can also get tired so say you had kind of two major key sessions in a week and everything around that's just supposed to be kind of easy running and you know very relaxed like kind of turn the pace of the watch off like you'll get more out of those two sessions if you can just sit back and enjoy the process of, of doing the run and not kind of have to turn up every day to be on it and you know tiring that that kind of mindset and you'll come to those two session days feeling rejuvenated and ready to to attack them so it's really really important to have that off switch as well difficult that isn't it the off switch I, I don't always I'm not always able to find it to be honestly you know kind of on the go and, and I suppose as nature you know is, is who I am really and I think that's really interesting what you said there's people listening to this right they just want you know a bit of escape from the day maybe they listen to this episode on a bit of a run and you're throwing questions out there like who am I you need to have a little think about who you are. There's people going oh my god I don't know who I am but I, I love it because sometimes we, you know, we're going back to this why if you're not super sure I always say and I think I'm right in this. That's my feeling anyway. That if you are taking action, if you're doing something, some kind of behaviour, but you're not really sure what your why is, it doesn't mean that there isn't one. It just means that you perhaps not, you need to be reminded or you need to remind yourself of it or it's it's buried rather very deep. It's deep roots and it's more your subconscious that's driving it rather than the conscious mind. You know, I'm not skilled in this field. You know, I'm not a psychologist like yourself, Leah, but this is in my mind um, how I think sometimes these things can can come about and looking outside of your life of running can help you kind of understand who you are perhaps more so than looking at 
the core sport of running. So that can sometimes help you. And I also really like what you said about it needs to start before the goal setting, really, that process. I think... I think sometimes it's easy to get that wrong, you know. I've certainly done it. You know, when you're setting a goal, maybe you're doing it. We're talking running now, obviously. Maybe you're setting a... Uh, I, run a I want to run a marathon. Well, do you want to run a marathon? Are you doing it because you feel you should, in inverted commas, because your mates are doing it, or, you know, you got roped into it, you've seen people do it on Strava, or it just feels like the next thing to do. Well, it could be the next thing to do, but is it what you want to do? If it's not, don't do it. You know, you've got to really, really look at that. And then it's think about thinking about your why because it's going to help you set that goal, isn't it? Have you got any thoughts as a sports psychologist on goal setting? I guess it might be connected a little bit to your why, but is there a sort of process? You know, what thoughts would you have on somebody? Let's say you've helped an athlete, they've completed their goal of a marathon, they've had that recovery period, now they're itching to go again, but they don't know what how they how the land lies, what the horizon looks like for them. Where would you start with that psychologically? Yeah, so I think if you, you know, before the marathon kind of training build-up starts, that 12 to 16 week build-up, it's good to have a sit down, whether that's with your coach or whether it's with yourself or a friend and be like, right, if I'm going to commit to this build-up, I need to kind of have something in my mind for when times get difficult, have something in my mind for when I'm really enjoying things or I want to push it and I and I shouldn't. I need to be in kind of a place where I feel like I know what I'm doing each day and it's purposeful. Um, so with goal setting, there's outcome goals, performance goals and process goals. So I feel like process goals are talked a lot about at the moment and I'm really heavy on the process goals because that's what we need to you know, focus on each day. But an outcome goal, there is, there is a space for it. This kind of goal is, you know, it's kind of something that, is based on comparison. So it's, I want to be that person or I want to come in the, you know, top 100. And, and that relies on other people either performing or underperforming. And it's it's not in our control, but it is something that when we don't want to get up each day and complete training, that gives us that butterfly feeling. So an outcome goal is that kind of excitement. That's, that's what's going to get us going and get us complete in training. Um, and it's something to think about at the start of a build-up and whether you've, you know, run a marathon and you're thinking about what's next, what excites you? That's that's how we need to think of, of our outcome goal. So what would excite you to, to get into another block of training and do another one? And that's asking yourself that, it's having discussions around that um, and then using that as the kind of long-term goal. And... The kind of process goals are, are how do we get there every day along the way? So let's forget the outcome goal and use it when, like I said, it's raining and snowing outside and we need that butterfly feeling to get us out and get us doing it. Um, that's when it's useful. But every day, process goals are something we can control and they're not, you know, comparable to anyone else. They're very individual to us. And that is what, you know, gets us out doing things, you know, that are going to lead us to our performance or our outcome goal at the end of it. Yeah, that goal, that main outcome goal, which many people focus on and think about when they start on a journey, which of course makes complete sense. And I guess it's the outcome goal that really helps to establish those process goals because those mini goals, if you like, those stepping stones lead to your main goal. You need to know what that is to be able to work backwards and then you reverse engineer the whole process. Exactly. I I, I love it. And and I think, I think they can really help to keep you on track because sometimes the journey... I said this recently on an episode, actually, Leah. I forget who I was talking to now, but we were getting into this, that sometimes the journey from where you are currently to the goal can seem so far away, 
so long that to try and keep that momentum and to try and you know stay on track is actually really difficult so having those mini goals and you're right in what you say i sense certainly that process goals are getting um sort of more news at the moment if you like more people are aware of them and i'm a big fan as well i think it's so important and even in my own running i've focused a bit more on that of late which i might mention shortly but I think just having those, it's like a mini reward. It's like, okay, yes, I'm, 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 I'm making those steps forward. Also, process goals are an opportunity to um, see where you are, to, to try and accomplish something. You know, it gives you that experience to say, well, a marker of fitness, potentially. If you've got a mini goal of process goal could be to achieve a certain time, let's say, in a park run. In a, in a, in a, let's say you're doing a fast 5K as a time trial. It doesn't have to be time related, but if it is, it gives you a good idea of where you are. It's not your main goal but you know that you need to hit X to be able to achieve Y, which is the outcome goal. I love all that stuff. I really do. Time's important though, isn't it? Because I think if you don't give yourself enough time to achieve these things, like outcome-wise, that can potentially put you under pressure. I've been there. I've felt the pressure. You know, the classic one is somebody gets injured. I'm sure some of your runners at times, unfortunately, pick up an injury. And then because it's like a ticking clock, isn't it? Oh, every day that I don't run, it's another day closer to the race, to the event. Am I going to be ready? And that whole kind of negative spiral. What's your thoughts on managing setbacks? Do you have some sort of key things that you you really believe in or you're really passionate about when it comes to those frustrations, whether it's injury or whether it's uh, not achieving what they've set out to achieve? How do people deal with that? So this is where, you know, earlier we were talking about maybe not tying our whole identity into our sport and our running. And if that's going well, we're happy and successful people. And if it's not going well, we're not. So it's important to make sure there's you know, distinguish identities so that we don't kind of spiral into a, oh my gosh, I'm not going to reach my outcome goal, which, as we said, is out of our control. So if we tie everything onto our outcome goal, you know, that a lot of the time it won't go to plan. So, you know, we can't tie what success or winning feels to us with the outcome goal. So say you, you know, you did get injured or your marathon buildup was kind of disrupted in some way it's just about you know adjusting being flexible with those goals adjusting the outcome goal and adjusting our process goals along the way so this might mean that there's a stint of three weeks within your marathon build-up that working hard in the gym and doing your rehab is part of the the long go- long-term goal um that's what you can control and that's what you know the card you've been dealt at the moment and it's just what can we achieve in the gym what can we achieve during our rehab um rather than thinking about all the time you're not running it's oh how amazing that i've got this time in the gym to strengthen my weaknesses um it's flipping that thinking um i think it's really important I find it genuinely sad, and I mean that in the truest sense. If there are runners that put themselves under that much pressure, that running defines them, and if they achieve their goal, we're talking the big outcome goal, not process goal, it defines them, it's who they are, it's it's success or failure. And it just isn't. It just isn't. For all the reasons you've mentioned, for all the reasons, you know, some of our great guests like Josie Perry that was on the show spoke about, you know, so many... there's things that you can't control and the biggest I suppose in some respects wake up call for me was when I did the London Marathon in 2018 and it was the hottest one on record well I didn't know that was going to happen I couldn't plan for that you know if you knew it was going to be like super hot like months and months before which is obviously unrealistic you can do a little bit of 
trying to adapt yourself to the heat. But ultimately, there's not a fat lot you can do about that. You're probably not going to get the time that you set out to get if that was your focus, which it is for a lot of people. It's, it's being able to adjust. I'll tell you what I do at the moment, Lee, and I'm interested to, to know your thoughts on this. And this is only a recent shift, I'd say, perhaps in the last couple of years. So if I'm doing marathons, which tends to be more my sort of focus... It used to be the case that, right, I've got this time. I want to achieve this time. I've got to achieve this time. This is the pace I need to set off at. This is what I need to do. Whereas over the past few years with the marathons, my intention has been to slightly shift the focus and get in that shape on the starting line. So I want to be in that shape. Then I can prove the shape I'm in if everything goes my way on the day and the conditions are good and I feel okay and I haven't got any gut issues during the run, all those sorts of things. Because some things you just can't control, can you? You know, sometimes you just got to, like, shift that focus. Difficult. Really difficult. How do you take pressure off people, Leah? You know, when people are just... You can see it building in athletes, and they they do think their running defines them in the outcome goal. What what do you say to people? Yeah, it's really interesting, because as you said, like, you can be in perfect shape on that start line and everything's gone well, and, you know, something during the race could trip you up, and that's that 16- to 12-week block in you know in your mind absolutely ruined because of one little thing during the race and it's so stressful to tie our whole kind of self-worth to that result and what winning means to us to that result so I've actually been speaking to a few people recently about um as a sports psychologist called Pippa Grange who worked um with the men's world cup team in 2018 and she came up with this concept of winning deep So winning shallow versus winning deep. So if we associate winning with our performance or outcome result, it gives us this feeling of comparison all the time to others and feelings of inadequacy if we're not kind of reaching that goal. Whereas, um, you know, it forces us to run more miles or train that bit harder that can put us in jeopardy of of getting injured or, you know, just harming our, our... mental state really just pushing ourselves on the red line all the time it it presents like a short-lived high like going after these outcome goals all the time and feelings of being disheartened and down on ourselves this erratic kind of feeling if we're not reaching those goals so I've spoken to people about kind of releasing all that air with no real substance in it that they're feeling all the time um, and trying to reach for and focusing on the journey being the winning. It's very process-based. It makes us feel content because we are achieving something every day. We have different small process goals every day. And when you set small goals and keep achieving them, that just builds confidence. So we're not even thinking about about the end goal. Um, So you're on kind of a journey and you you never arrive at this outcome goal because you can be proud of what you've achieved on the way um and kind of negative and difficult experiences can be labeled as learnings rather than failure and we never are too hard on ourselves because in that sense if we do you know if we fail at something in our eyes then it's a a learning rather than something we can be disheartened about and and that kind of winning shallow and winning deep is is a huge mindset shift for a lot of people and and I've found that it's really helped them with tackling that that 12 16 week build up and knowing what your core values are in terms of what does winning mean to you is huge winning shallow winning deep I absolutely love that Leah I think that's so powerful and 
picking up on something you said there, which I think is fascinating, and I don't think I've ever really thought about it in this way before, but if you if you are putting all your focus on your outcome goal and there's this pressure that we're talking about and you are potentially subconsciously uh, thinking about winning shallow, you know, it's all about this race, it's all about this time, it's not the journey, the process goals don't matter. That can provoke a behaviour change. It can cause you to do things and make decisions that are perhaps not healthy for you physically and mentally. So you talk about people pushing too much, like mileage-wise, they end up getting injured or they're doing things they don't really want to do. Right, I need to run faster. Right, I need to do more fast, uh, more quality runs. I need to do more races. I need to do this. I need to spend less time with the family, more time training. You perhaps don't. So I think just being aware of how you feel can potentially cause a change in behavior that might be helpful but it also might not and it's kind of being aware of those those factors and just how much of an influence how you what you think about and therefore how you feel and 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 the changes that you make in your behavior i think can impact the whole thing the whole process of this goal setting and the training and this wonderful world of running that we love whether you're doing 800 meters like yourself Leah, or marathons or ultra whatever you're doing it doesn't matter you just want to feel good and be proud of yourself really really important that i love it yeah, massive stuff. Tell me about yourself, Leah. So 800 metres, not something I know much about. I don't even know where the flipping 800 metre markers are on the track, <laughs> let's be honest. Not something I know a lot about. Do you find yourself slipping into um, negative thought processes or some of these things that we're talking about here, these tools that people can use? Do you find that you sometimes fall out of that and don't apply them yourself? Or, or, or Leah, of, of old, you know, a few years ago, uh, youngerly, if you like, we, did you find that you were doing certain things that were not particularly helpful? And so sort of you learned from that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, being an athlete myself, that's what's inspired me over the years um, into becoming a sports psychologist. Because when I worked with my first sports psychologist, my eyes were just opened. Um, my performances improved hugely. I had a massive breakthrough the year that I worked with a sports psychologist. And um, I don't always get it right. It's hard to um, take your own advice, isn't it? But I've definitely learned along the way that, um, you know, not to lose that enjoyment. That's our weapon. We love running. That's why we've got into it. That's why we do it each day. Like, we need to remember, sit back and think, am I enjoying what I'm doing? And, you know, that always has to be the foundation, the bottom line. And, and that's what I try and tell myself now. But it's it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, challenges along the way are, it's, it's not easy, whether you're a sports psychologist or not. But knowing what I know now and my processes over the past few years as a sports psychologist has really... Um, helps me grow as an athlete and you know as i face difficulties myself for sure so complicated isn't it the whole thing and complex and deep and it's really helpful to be aware of the psychology of training and racing and life and the impact that other areas of your life can have on how you perform and how you manage this journey we're talking about and view it as a journey not the destination and therefore reward yourself for that you know the accomplishment of going down that path some of the people we've spoken to on the show i find i do find this really interesting because it's very easy for me sometimes i guess as a coach and as a podcast host a running podcast host i guess it's easy for me to sort of often use the uh, analogy um, or the view that as a recreational runner, you know, like like I am, you know, I, I, I just run for my myself and my own goals and things. That actually, oh, well, you know, people are, if you're an elite athlete, it's different because you, you, you're you not working full-time potentially. If you're a full-time athlete and you've got a team of people around you and, and all this and somebody once said on the podcast, a few people, but actually it doesn't make, make it necessarily easier for the uh, the elite athlete, because in some respects, psychologically, they should 
in inverted commas, be performing well because it is their full-time job. It is their profession. It is what they do. They have got the genetic potential. They are elite athletes. They haven't got to spin that many other plates. Yes, there are certain plates to spin, family, potentially, and things, but, you know, work. They don't have to spin that plate if they're a, if they're a, full-time, if they're a full-time athlete, but they have the pressure from other ways that they should be beating their competitors, that they should be on the podium. You know, it's, it's a different thing, isn't it? It's just pressure everybody can succumb to, but it comes from different places, I think. It comes from different places. Let's fast forward to race day. So I've spoken a little bit about, you know, goal setting and the training and, and along this journey, the barriers and hurdles that you need to kind of um, uh, tackle and the thought processes. How does somebody get in the right headspace when it comes to to the race itself? We're talking a marathon, which we know is a huge distance. Have you got any kind of key things, whether that's using mantras? Do you really believe in that when the going gets tough or positive reframing, thinking about their goal before they start? What's your thoughts on race day? Um, well, I'll start with mantras because you just mentioned it there. I'm huge on mantras. Do it. Love yeah. a good mantra. Oh, mantras, I feel like are, you know, along with our enjoyment of running in itself, that pure enjoyment, I think mantras are so powerful. Um, I tell a lot of clients to have a mantra that they keep in their kind of backpack for the last, you know, when you get to the 20 mile mark. You need something at that point in a marathon. Everyone does, whether that's high-performance athletes I've spoken to, recreational athletes, someone doing it for charity, whatever your goals are, you get to that 20-mile mark and, and you need to rely on something. So I think a mantra is a great thing to have, whether that's... Um, so a mantra is a sound repeated frequently or, or a sentence to aid focus, positivity, concentration, and just give you a boost, basically. So... Um, I say to people to find their mantra because people are like, what shall my mantra be? I'm like, what do you need at that point? If we flip it round and say, what is it that you would love your coach or um, your best friend or your partner to tell you in that moment? As, as runners, we can be so hard on ourselves. And actually, we don't give ourselves the compassion we need and, and the boost we need a lot of the time. Um, so... I kind of focus on what do you need to hear from someone else in that moment? And for a lot of runners, actually, I say you can either write it on your hand, you could have uh, someone from your support crew, like with a kind of a poster, like kind of so you can read it at the 20 mile mark. Some people aren't in the position to read at that point, but, um, or you can have it, you know, in your own self-talk, just repeat it over and over and over. Um, and it's whatever works for you. And this is the whole thing of like taking some time to really work out who you are, what you like, what your core beliefs and values are, what works best. So um, mantras are huge and I like to save them for the end of the race. I love the way that you are talking about coming up with a mantra because I don't think it's always so easy for people, which you obviously know, which is why you mentioned this. And that's, that's so useful. I cast my mind back to 2010, a marathon that I did when... Previously, I'd, I'd always sort of slowed down and quite dramatically in the early days of, of running marathons, setting off too quick, you know, all that sort of stuff, which is so commonplace. And then you learn from it, hopefully, and make some adjustments. And because I'd, I'd slowed down previously, and I really didn't want to slow down, you know, it was just, and I, I was almost feeling a bit anxious about it. I've got to get the pacing right, like, oh, you know, putting pressure on myself. But I did use a mantra, and my mantra was simply, finish strong. And it was just, I mean, I get goosebumps now when I say that, honestly, because it was so meaningful to me 
and I knew at the end, you know, you're talking about the t- classic 20 mile mark when the going gets tough. What, and of course, this works for shorter races as well. But in a marathon, finish strong for me was just so powerful. So knowing what you are either you struggle with, be it physically or psychologically, what do you want your friends or family or your peers, people you really respect and, and love and they love you? What do you, what would you love them to tell you in that moment? I really like what you said there. It may be the case that, you know, for years or however long you've been running, you've not classed yourself as a proper runner. Come on, we know that's nonsense, but people do say that, don't they? Oh, you know, I'm not a proper runner. Well, what does that mean? You are, first of all. But if that's how you feel and you don't feel like you're, you belong, maybe your mantra is, I belong here. You need something that resonates with you. Honestly, I get goosebumps with this stuff. It's crazy, Lee. Like, you need something that resonates with you, that gets you feeling better, picks you up, and just gives you that boost, which is what you said. Because if you could set a challenge, naturally, it's going to be hard work. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a challenge. It'd just be an activity. exactly that Jake exactly that I love it honestly it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today I could talk to you all day I say this to all my guests and I genuinely mean it I just love it could chat running all day long but I mean you've got stuff to do man you're like you know you're crazy busy we've been exchanging the voice messages to try and set this chat up would love to get you back on the show in the future you're up for that when you've got some time oh absolutely I've loved it thank you so much Jake have a great rest of the day before you go I've just got one one last question for you you've got time yeah yeah man this is a biggie do you know what I'm going to ask do you know? Do you know what I'm going to ask? I, we ask everybody this. High pressure now. This is high pressure. You've got to go back to your why before you answer this question. Like, why the hell did I agree to do this podcast? That type of thing. So, this is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you? I would say bravery. And I, I think that motivation means setting, you know, setting a goal and being brave enough to to get out every day and be motivated to achieve that goal. Leah, you're awesome. Love it. Have a great day. Catch you soon. Thank you, Jake. Running with Jake, the podcast. Ah, I do feel so much better about the half marathon on Sunday now, having listened to the chat with Leah. I, I do feel a lot more relaxed. The only problem is I do have a new stress. There's a new stress that has just entered my mind and it's it's a big problem. It's a big problem I'm having at the moment. What's that? Don't say you forgot to put your bins out as well. No, no, bins are fine. It's coffee machine. Our coffee machine is broken, so we're in the market for a new coffee machine. I cannot tell you how many reviews of various coffee machines I have read over the course of the bank holiday weekend when I'm not stressing about using the toilet before a half marathon on Sunday and then the outcome of said race. All the other time was spent reviewing coffee machines. I'm just, I don't know. I'm so confused. Do I go, do I go bean to cup? Or is it cup to bean? I don't know. But whichever way, do I go with one of them? <laughs> do I get a pod machine? I've got an espresso pod machine at the moment. I've had it like 12 years. It's on the blink now, completely died. An ex-girlfriend's parents of mine bought it. I did wonder about dropping them a quick message to see if they took out an extended warranty when they bought it. <laughs> I decided against it, so I figure we're going to have to purchase. I don't know what to do. This is just, oh, God. This is the kind of thing I hand over to my wife, because what she does is she gets fully involved, and even, even she, last time, last time, all I wanted, I said to her, she said, what do you want for your birthday? I went, I just want a little coffee grinding thing that grinds the things, and then I can put the thing in the thing. <laughs> and she goes, well, what sort? And I went, well, this sort there, because it's the cheapest one there is. It's an Amazon and basics one all it's just grinds the grinds the things up that's it job done and then she went like crazy did all these reviews bought a subscription to which magazine <laughs> in order to read reviews of coffee grind you go what it's not science it's just crushing some beans up that someone's grown in a field somewhere what are you playing 
Anyway, turns out we've got a really good coffee machine. So I, I totally feel your pain. Send me the link. Send me the link. I'm interested. I need to check it out. I'll <laughs> add it to the list. There's a short list. Unfortunately, there's about 27 on the short list. And the joke is, it's not like we can't drink coffee. This is absolutely first world mm. problems. So we have, obviously, the kettle. We have just the instant granulated stuff in the cupboard. We have a French press. I have the Nespresso machine, which kind of still works, but it's on its last legs and it's dripping water everywhere. We have a filter machine. And we also have three different size Mocha pots, you know the little mocha pots that you mm. put on the on the Big on, fan of on them. the hob. Yeah, love those. So it it's very much dependent on mood. And my girlfriend is Italian, so coffee is up there with <laughs> oxygen. You know, very important, very important. <laughs> this is stressful, man. This is seriously stressful. Listen, don't panic because now uh, I'm putting the focus back onto you, back onto running. I want to help you. It is time to take another one of your questions, non-coffee related questions. Hopefully, it is hashtag <laughs> Ask Jake. Today's question comes from Teresa, who is preparing to take on the London Marathon only a few weeks away now, and she wants to know if I have any advice on how to break up, psychologically, the classic 20-mile run. Teresa, you are going to love this. This is a very good moment to share my crossroad countdown technique with everybody that's perhaps targeting autumn marathons at the moment. Now, I'm going to put this in the show notes page as well, so make sure you go and check this out because it's quite detailed. There's there's lots of steps to it and benefits. Uh, Check it out on the show notes page, which is runningwidget.com forward slash podcast. But in essence, the crossroad count then is a great way to break up a 20-mile run. You simply choose your starting point and then you run five miles in one direction. So you're only thinking about five miles. Once you've done five miles, you you turn around and you run back to the start. So you've done 10 miles. You then pick another direction. This time you run four miles out. You turn around and you run four miles back. You then pick another direction and you run three miles out, three miles back. And then finally, you pick your final direction and you run a mere 1.1 miles out, turn around and run 1.1 miles back. Now, the benefit of this means that it breaks up the run first and foremost. But because each little run gets shorter, psychologically, that can really help. It can give you confidence because the most you are ever thinking about in one go is five miles, which is that first little run that you do. So it breaks up the run. Each time you get to your starting point, you know that the rep, the next bit that you do is going to be shorter. You can leave water, gels, snacks, clothing, anything like that at your starting points. You don't have to carry everything. If you're coming back from injury, you've got a little niggle and you don't want to find yourself 10 miles away from home, from your starting point, uh, this can be a great way just to run safely, test the water, make sure the body's okay. So it's a really, really clever way to break up your run and I think it'll really help you. Uh, Don't forget, check that out in the show notes page so you've absolutely got it in mind exactly how to do it. Uh, Runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Good luck, Teresa, in London. Make sure you enjoy it and finish in one piece. And of course, if you have a question, uh, then it's hashtag Jake, or you can drop us a quick email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That brings us to the end of another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. A big thank you to today's guest, Leah Barrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I'm off to review yet more coffee machines and by next episode I may have made a decision you never know have an awesome week of running we'll be back soon oh and one more thing today you don't need a motivational quote you just need a good coffee